In today's episode, which is episode three, part C. Yeah. Episode, no. Yeah, fifth three, episode released. No. Three. Three C. Three C. So episode five on yeah. the Diatlovpass incident. Correct. I sound so unsure, and I should be mostly sure, seeing as I am absolutely the one who's been doing all of the research on this. Brilliant. So, yeah. Um... Just let's go with it. So, the last two episodes we've done. So, first episode, so episode three, you will have heard all about the expedition, so the planning, and what actually we know from their diaries. Yeah, the background. The background, really. yeah. And then last episode, we did about the search and not rescue and the <laughs> finding of the the Dyatlov group, their corpses, and the autopsy reports and what yep. was found. So this episode, we go into the theories. Yeah. So I'm rubbing we, my hands together. Yeah. It's not good audio, but... It's not good audio, but it's quite amusing for me. There are many. Can you guess how many? Twelve. Ooh, keep going. Fifteen? Keep going. Twenty? Keep going. Oh, God. Uh-huh. 22 that I found. Wow. Okay. Um, they range from pretty sensible, and I can and I can see it. Okay. I can, you know, knowing what I know, I can see it, to, dear God, they didn't say it was aliens, but it was probably aliens. Wow. Actually, okay. no, it's worse. Alien Aliens is actually probably middle ground. Oh, right. Okay. Well, so I am looking forward to this. That then. gives you some kind of idea of where we're going with this. That um, that I actually at one point was looking through these, ep- looking through all of these theories, and the thing with the aliens, I was like, oh well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. um, and as I showed Jim earlier, I have copious amounts of notes on the first maybe 12 13 theories i went through and as i got further down the theory list my notes get slimmer and slimmer and slimmer and slimmer right until yeah Yeah. so we'll we'll have to just sort of see how we go but anyway burn times ahead Mm -hmm. and because of it being 22 theories that i have found out about i have developed the theory tombola wow it's game time. It's basically it's a bag with the it, theories in. Can you shake the bag in front of the microphone? You can. There you go. So, I have. I, I must say it looks suspiciously like our eldritch horror monster bag. It does look suspiciously like it, but no, it is a theory tombola bag. Do not theorize that it is anything else. Okay. <laughs> so, what I've done is I've typed out the theory titles like Yeti. Don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't spoil it. Oh, I'm totally spoiling it. Hey, I, if I get to watch it, you have to know about it. Um, and Jim gets to draw, and we will draw until basically we decide that you're probably going to be sick to death of yeah, hearing okay. about theories. But what I will My do... My hand is I, already in the bag. Yeah, but what I will do, I will say that there are a couple of theories that are more likely than others, and if you don't draw them, I'm still going to talk to you about them. That seems super reasonable. Okay. You've got your hand in the bag and I'm going to leave you with your hand in the bag because it looks like your hand's being eaten by a monster, which is quite fun. I'm going to take my hand out of the bag. Okay, so we're going to go back to what I said at the end of the last episode. 
So in 2018, because of the huge amount of interest around the case and all of the theories, two and possibly more, depends two I found, um, the Russian government reopened the case and the prosecutor's office were only allowed to test three theories. And that was in March 2019. I think I mentioned that to you that there were yes. only three tested. It was avalanche, snow slab and hurricane. And in July 2020, <laughs> in July 2020, the conclusion of the investigation was announced. It was an of those three. What do you think? Knowing what you know, snow slab, avalanche. Oh, but there wasn't. Ooh. Okay. So naturally, <clears throat> this has actually led to even more theorizing and conspiracy chatter about cover-ups. As well as the fact that the idea of it being an avalanche works less well doesn't work as well as even snow slab. Yeah, well that that was my that was my thought. Um oh well done the Russian government then. Conspiracy theory fuel. Anyway, do you wanna put your hand in the bag? I do. I've been giddy about this. Okay. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Ooh. Catabatic wind. Ooh, now I love the fact that you've pulled this one because this is actually probably one of the ones that I personally think is entirely plausible. Great. Okay. Let's, yeah, start with science. Okay. Now, unfortunately, this was quite far down the list of theories, so my notes are sketchy. So this could be interesting. Okay. So catabatic wind comes from the Greek for Catabasis, catabasis, catabasis. I'm no, I'm just looking at Jim. Potato, potato. Uh, it means falling, and it's basically also called gravity wind. Yeah. So falling gravity wind, and it's incredibly sudden. It doesn't. There isn't a gradual build up like there are with tornadoes and so on, mm -hmm. where you know a storm picks up and then like a funnel is created. Catabatic wind comes from nowhere. And it's basically like a ball of wind that rolls. Wow. Yeah, it's it sounds absolutely unbelievable, but it is yeah. a, it is an actual. I have heard of catabatic winds from um, my fun personal reading into like uh, high level mountaineering and things. I don't know much about them, but I understand that they are a thing. Yeah. Um, they can accelerate basically to the force of a hurricane. Um, the record is 81 m stroke s. Now, is that meters, meters per, second. per second? Yes, that a that is that is brisk. Yeah. So the record is 81 meters per second, and that was in 1992. And there was evidence in Sweden in 78 um, where nine skiers were actually sort of skiing in a pleasant, calm environment when suddenly winds of 20 meters per second hit them like a ball like a ball rolling mm. down just like there they are skiing in a nice like sunny calm weather and then they just bang, bang. and only one of them survived uh usually happens at night something to do with the the different the temperature drop and okay yeah well that that seems reasonable i wish i had done more research as we this. are not meteorologists no but. um and they appear incredibly quickly the way if you're mountaineering 
what you would do is if this happened, if you were suddenly caught out like this, so imagine that you are in a tent and one of these catabatic wind kind of gravity wind rolls down and rolls down and hits you. I don't know. I'm assuming that it's a case of it's like a slow. I'm assuming it's like a slow slide, not like oh, given the Indiana Jones film with the ball. Uh, Red's the Lost Ark. Red is the Lost Ark. Not like Red is the Lost Ark, where this massive ball just kind of, of wind just rolls like past you, like yeah. flattens you, like a like a cartoon. <laughs> You're like, like it's got Acme written on the side of it. I'm yeah. assuming it's not like that. I'm assuming that it's more it's more of a sort of a ball of very slow moving wind traveling down the mountainside. Yeah, because that would give time for you to do what you are trained to do in those circumstances to protect because it seems like mountaineers that go to these kind of areas because this is a thing that happens know what to do Uh so what they would have done is they would have banked up the snow they would have covered the tent with snow to make like a shelf and they would have put a torch on the top of the near the entrance to serve as a beacon So you are taught to go, like, leave the tent, get away from the wind that's coming towards Uh you, but to make sure that you have some kind of beacon to help you back. So, what do we think? It ticks quite a few boxes, doesn't it? Mm. Um, And has the benefit of not being weird. Yeah. Uh, which I Be- like. Benefit of there actually being scientific evidence to support these, uh, yes, th- this, this, this happening. <clears throat> and people having been caught completely unawares, experienced people, and it killing them. Yeah, and I'm presuming that these winds are therefore strong enough to pick up things if they're equivalent hurricane force at their worst. Well, like people who might get like... Wanged onto wang- a tree. Wanged onto a tree and have their... Or like crushed or have their ribs broken. Yeah, this is or, what I'm thinking. Or if it's picked up and, large rocks. So that... I mean, I don't know what there was... If there were any large rocks found, but things would have been buried under snow. Exactly. So... so people um, don't really record the, <laughs> that kind no, of thing, No, no, there, there were three rocks here. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. It doesn't necessarily explain the taking your shoes off unless it happened when your shoes were already off so this is in the, this is three o'clock in the morning and they just and they just basically they're in their sleeping bag this is and what this, we do we and go. this is what we do we go yeah i like it what we do is we put the torch there we go as we are and then we follow the torch back however it's entirely possible that it lasted longer lasted longer was more powerful was more powerful um it kind of pulled up so much um fresh snow that they couldn't see the torch maybe the torch died so they couldn't find their way back it was pitch black it was yeah. a, it was like three four o'clock in the morning they dug into a snow hole down at the down bottom. at the bottom but maybe they maybe that was because some of them had been injured yeah and so that's why they got separated some of them went to the trees some of them went to yeah which if this kind of hellish weather's going down yeah you can the confusion that goes on at that. I like this. I like this as a theory. Mm. I think mystery solved. <laughs> hey, there we go. We don't have to go through 22 of them. Exactly. Jim has decided. I have officially uh, decreed. Would you like. There is no more conspiracy send, about send, the Atlantis. Right, yeah, we'll just send this to the Russian government yeah. and they'll be like, oh, you know, we take, back, we take back that 2019 I mean, report. Russians at the moment aren't particularly friends, but. No, no. We'll get Boris Johnson to do it. He's friends with the Russian government. 
<laughs> Politics. Oh, God, I'd rather not speak to him. Thanks very much. No, okay. Um, yeah, he doesn't deserve to listen to this podcast. No. Boris, if you're listening, turn it off. Yep. Sorry. It's far too good for you. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. I, oh, I, he's going in. I give that five tinfoil hats out of five. Oh, wow. Wow, that is a, that is a high, high praise for a theory. Yeah. It's not even a conspiracy theory. It's just a good theory. It's just theory. an actual scientific theory. How nice to start with that. I know. It's it, Well, it's got to be downhill from here, hasn't it? <laughs> Controlled environment KGB. There we go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Classic Cold War theory. Well, yeah, I mean, if you... Seriously, Jen, though, it's spies. You're going to love this. I, I am actually quite there's excited. No pi- there's no pirates in the Dyatlov Pass. There's no pirates in the Urals. Maybe but that's Theory 23. Oh, okay. Are you going to be writing Theory 23? Yes, I'm going to call it Theory 23 because that's a good conspiracy oh, theory everyone, name. Oh, it, you've got to love a number. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. Okay. Alexei Ratkin, author of the book Dyatlov Pass, poses the theory that Semyon Zolotaryov, Alexander Kolevatov, and Yuri Krivonyshenko were actually KGB agents on a mission to uncover a cell of CIA agents in the Urals. Okay. Like, kind of cite your sources. Their mission was to deliver radioactive samples and then take photographs of the American CIA agents. But something went wrong, and the CIA agents killed them all in a weird frostbitey way that wasn't actually. Yeah. But that leads on to actually that leads on to the whole cover-up thing that actually they maybe they were really badly injured or had been murdered, and the Russian government covered it up. Okay. Because they're KGB agents. Yeah. They've been killed by the CIA. I feel like that's giving a lot more credit to. The KGB in 1958, then... Nine! Nine, sorry. <laughs> um, was it the KGB by that point, or was it still the NKVD? Oh, I don't know. I don't know when they changed. I don't know when they changed. I'm just, I'm going to we'll say KGB, Yeah. because you guys are more likely to know who we're talking about. Yeah. Secrets. Schmierspionem. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, no, don't put, don't oh, put sorry. it back. Put I thought the... we were done with this ridiculousness. Oh, oh no. Oh, no, there's more tinfoil hat coming. Okay. Okay. Bring it on. Um, You may have noticed that I was saying about the mission was to deliver radioactive samples, radioactive clothing. So look at this radioactive clothing that we found. Basically, these they're saying that they're like sleeper, like agents working with the CIA, but they're not really. They're like... Secret double, secret double sleeper agents? Secret double sleeper spies. You should have written that on the piece of paper. I don't think I could say it more than once anyway. No, fair enough. So Semyon, who joined the group at the last minute, was a veteran, uh, years of combat experience, who fought for the NKVD, Uh which are the communist secret police. Yes. Yeah. And the archives of the UPI have recently revealed that Alexander Kolevatov had actually worked in Moscow as a laboratory assistant in a top-secret scientific facility, an unnamed atomic institute known as P.O. Box 3394. <laughs> Love a number. Love yeah. a number. And Yuri Krivonoshenko had also worked in P.O. Box 404 stroke one zero where a massive nuclear disaster had happened second only in severity to chernobyl right. in 1957 
And so the whole theory seems to work around the fact that you've got somebody who already had worked for the Soviet secret police, yeah. and you've got the kind of people who are, have worked in, in atomic in labs, labs yeah. and so had maybe been sequestered to the Russian secret service yeah it's just i I, mean it sounds like a book i'd enjoy reading but at the moment it it is offering no explanation for the alexander alexander rack uh rack rackitin dyatlov pass get that on your kindle alexander rackitin i've written it down it's fine it's fine i might uh i might read that that sounds like good fun uh so the support i've written down support Radioactive clothes and usage of radiation detectors whilst they're on the scene. Mm-hmm. Grey foam on Dorozhenko's face. Okay. Is that a radioactive thing? Absence and shoes and of shoes and upper garments. Again, not quite sure how that is a support of this theory. I don't but know how that supports this no, theory. No, oh, maybe it was. Maybe they were taken. I don't know. Um, because and, the CIA steal clothes. Yes. Right. It's well. It's a well-known, well-known fact. Well-known Cold well-known War fact. Known Cold War fact. Right. The CIA secrets squirrel. The, the, the radioactive CIA secret squirrel. The radioactive <laughs> stuff is not. It doesn't support this theory. Nothing supports this theory. Um, <laughs> but the radioactive clothes is an interesting wrinkle. But not all of them had radioactive clothes. Only yeah. I think it was two or three of them. Yeah, there were some okay. signs of radioactivity on their outer garments. Yeah. Unlike their jumpers. Maybe they just had a little roll in a uranium mine or something. I don't know. A little tussle. Yeah. They, maybe they were trying on their way up. Old disused uranium mine. See, I'm making stuff up now. Yeah. Apparently one camera was also missing, probably stolen by the pesky CIA. Yeah. Because they took photos of the secret CIA agents and so they stole their camera. Yeah. That all checks out. Totally, totally fine. Pretty cloak and dagger... Lots of holes, very much like in their tents. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, great story. Does not give the sort of satisfactory scientific explanations that we uh, that we are searching for. No, I mean, after um, Catabatic Winds... Oh, yeah. We're, I mean, we're, we're pretty low on the... Um, it's pretty low on the theory stakes. However, is. the tinfoil hat, it's pretty high on the tinfoil hat stakes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's super good. It's got a I whole mean, load of stuff. If we're going on, like, kind of theories that actually make sense, Catabatic win, five out of five. If we're going tinfoil hat... It's a good it's three a, and... I think it's a good three and a half. What, Catabatic wins? No, no. That's what I'm saying. Catabatic oh, sorry, wins yeah. are only... It's like a zero. There's yeah, no yeah. tinfoil hat. science. This, zero science... Many, many tinfoil hats. Yeah, I think, let's say about three and a half because it doesn't have aliens in it or the supernatural. I like that. So it's a zero history, three and a half tinfoil hat. Yeah. Wow, we have gone for, we're we're moving this along as we, we're just making this up as we go. Well, that's literally what podcasting is. That's literally what conspiracy theory is. (laughs) Okay, next theory up. Infrasound. Ooh, I like this one. Oh, okay. Go then. Tell me tell me about infrasound and why it resulted in the death of many, many people. Mm-hmm. Prepare for your mind to be boggled. Because mine And is. prepared. Okay. Mine already was before we started well, no, before I started reading this, so I'm gonna try and summarize it. I'm sorry for mistakes, and if I get anything wrong, 
if you know more about it, please do tell us things. Because actually, I find this really, really interesting. But it, there were a lot of equations and I had to, I don't know, oh dear. my eyes started to cross. So yeah, I'm going to be mentioning things. And seriously, just, you know, go look them up. Do some research. It's all good stuff. So the suggestion is that a wind phenomenon called a Carmen Vortex Street could have produced a very powerful sound which is proven to produce irrational fear in humans. Basically, it sounds very much like, the, you know, like... The brown noise. I was going to say... <laughs> oh, we're both on the same page. I was thinking that, and then I was like, no, no, like, binaural beats, binaural beats, say binaural beats, and you're like, the sound that makes you want to have a shit. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, basically, low-level sound that you can't hear that basically sends makes something happen in your body. Yeah. Well, in, that's what infrasound is. It's wow. Okay. So, is this a theoretical thing, though? No, there is a wind phenomenon called a Carmen vortex street, which produces this powerful infrasound, which is proven to produce irrational fear. Um, it's got that low-level vibration that can't be heard, but studies have shown it has huge effects on the human body, including loss of sleep, panic, shortness of breath, and extreme dread. Um, and this theory has actually been backed by scientists at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in the United States. And it's believed that the combination of the infrasound and the deafening noise of wind and being inside a claustrophobic pitch black tents caused disorientation and panic to set in and would do that even in the most experienced of hikers okay so everything else is just down to them panicking yeah panicking pitch black slashing to try and get out of the tent getting out of the tent falling banging into things and then not being able to find their way back. Maybe not even turning the torch. Maybe the torch was on for them. Maybe the torch wasn't left outside during this incident. Maybe it was an automatic thing to leave a torch and an ice axe on top of your tent for if you needed to go for a pee. Yeah, that's true. Which would make a lot of sense. If you needed to leave the tent in the night, you'd make sure that there was automatically something yeah. accessible. So maybe that was why that was there. So we can discount that and just say that basically this which would explain why all of them have this disorientated reaction Mm -hmm. and why all of them reacted completely against how they would if their rational minds had been working as mountaineers. Yeah. Because apparently this is, in even most experienced person, this is a completely involuntary thing. You can't protect against it, you can't rationalise against it, you can't say, you can't... It's good. Um, it seems to seems to tickle off the boxes. At the moment, for me, I'm struggling to see how it explains the sort of massive trauma injuries that those members of the expedition suffered. I can get disorientation, panic means you go out, you might you'll get hypothermia, frostbite, all of that. You'll go out without your boots on. You'll do irrational things, but we've still got these guys with the big trauma. The chest. Yeah, all crush. those. Yeah, all the crush injuries, and I'm not sure how that is explained by this one. Whereas it is but, by catabatic winds. But it's also it's saying because it's like it's caused during high winds, mm. so it's almost like I guess when you, I mean, all I can imagine it being like is when you get wind going through like a small hole, you hear that yeah. sound, but imagine that in like a vortex and the kind of infrasound. 
So there's already high, there's already sort of tornado high winds going on, battering your tent. Yeah. But you'd normally just kind of hunker down and get through that. What this is saying is there was also this kind of vortex, yeah. which is some, not something you can see. It's just, and it's not something you can hear. It just happens and just makes you go completely. Yeah, that would override your override natural your instincts, natural yeah. instincts, and that could have made them try to set off, and then as they you know they they were like okay we're going to walk in single file we're going to walk in single file we're going to be sensible we're going to do this we're going mm-hmm. to do this and then because if you've ever been in a one of those in a terrifying situation that's often how you work you start off kind of making yourself be rational make yourself think make yourself think but then your natural fight or flight instinct just takes over mm. now if this again is first thing in the morning if a, a couple of them just bolted just got completely disorientated lost Who's to say that they didn't fall and tumble down mountain through some really hard snow, which would explain yeah kind of rib breakages or the I mean again <clears throat> I'm theorizing about theories here yeah I like this theory I like catabatic winds more um, but I still really like this theory and I think it's fair that they can kind of be lumped together under this like extreme weather that's fine okay get your hand into the Eldritch Horror bag of mystery. I mean the theory, theory tombola. Theory tombola. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm confused just by the fact all it says is the stove. Okay. So the stove that they were using was actually a design by Igor Dyatlov himself. Oh. It was his own stove. It was a stove made by him for these kind of expeditions. Not so I don't know what was very special about it, but it was obviously he was an inventor and so Mm -hmm. on so there's very little about this as a theory but so the idea is that they left due to smoke from the stove which is why they cut holes in the tent to let the smoke stay okay that's it that's it that they maybe got carbon monoxide poisoning or something oh it, there was very little information about this all it is really well it says that it's a possibility is that it was his stove, so there might have been a malfunction, and there were cuts from the inside, which is what you do, apparently. Because mass-produced Soviet machinery never malfunctioned. Yeah. Fine. It's what you'd do if there was smoke in the tent. You'd put slices in the side to let the smoke out, rather than open the full door or something. Yeah, and a malfunctioning stove causes massive chest injuries. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Okay, let's move on, because and that no, is... I just want to ask you one thing, though. So... In that kind of environment, as somebody who does go out in weird conditions, would you have the stove on all night to provide warmth? Absolutely not. Therefore, that's an extra thing that just doesn't work with this because the autopsy report says that they had all eaten six to eight hours before nothing since. Therefore, the stove wouldn't have even been on. No. Because it wasn't late enough to have breakfast and it was in the middle of like a sleep cycle yeah no so not, the stove wouldn't, he, so the stove he, wouldn't yeah. have been on so the stove wouldn't have been lit so there wouldn't have been smoke there was no smoke without fire brilliant I, we've already given this far more time than it deserves okay move on here we go with lightning strike or ball lightning so I guess this is one we can file under extreme weather. 
but I'm already feeling like it's not going to have the scientific juice <laughs> that catabatic winds or infrasound does. You're just making such assumptions. <laughs> and that will make an ass out of... Both of us. Everyone, really. Yeah. Okay, so in the tent so what basically i haven't given you all of the information that what no, about what was found because there was so much so i'm going to kind of drip feed little bits of extra information as we go through to kind of support these theories <laughs> <laughs> she says um the whole thing about the ball lightning is that the mansi talk about there being yellow balls in the sky around that time and, you know, lightning strikes have been recorded in sort of mountain conditions. But the balls of... Yeah. I don't know. I'm just looking at you. Just doing... staring at me saying balls and doing a balls motion. <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing. Ladies, great audio. Yeah. Ladies, gentlemen, everyone who's listening, great audio. Yeah. I mean, you know what the balls sign is. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, no, no. It could... There's, there's two possible ball signs. There's... That's more pendulous. <laughs> you were you were doing halfway between balls, ball and single booby, as the sign. No, that that's <laughs> that one. All right, okay, that one. Yeah. <laughs> not that one. That one. Yeah. No, I'm definitely not that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is this is top class podcasting. <laughs> yeah, that's what the people stay for. Mm-hmm. Back to lightning. Okay. <laughs> The idea is that this is a phenomenon that is good to take photos of. There is a photo, basically, as well, of a splodge of light. Uh, there was a camera set up inside the tent looking toward the side. Yeah. On, like, a makeshift stand. What they're saying is that they were trying to take uh, photos of this kind of ball lightning and the lightning struck and there was an explosion. That explosion was what caused the trauma. And down by the cedar trees, where three of them were found, apparently, and I, there were no photographs of this, but some of the rec- some of the people in the search and rescue team said that the tops of the trees were all burnt, which is what people are saying in this led to right so it was like a single electrocution event however if you get struck by lightning doesn't that fry all your blood vessels and don't you end up getting like i think even a shabby um sort of autopsy might notice if one or more of them had been struck by lightning there we go jim's now looking at the photo that this is also a photo that is used as evidence for one of the other theories as well can you guess which one uh aliens okay you're too good wow. at this wow okay that is a terrible photo we're of the generation of wet film we're mm. of the wet film generation we're pre-digital and it's really hard to take photos with a wet film camera especially in the dark yeah i mean but or that, if that's you have just... or if you haven't set anything up that looks like that looks like a really badly focused photo yeah and a steamed up lens <laughs> yeah it's got some light coming in from one side causing lens flare it's just yeah no no absolutely not take a look at that wonderful photo people and make your own decisions no no i don't agree with it you're just you that dismissing it it doesn't get history or tinfoil hats from jim no. full dismissal full dismissal wow there you go our next theory is gravity fluctuation Ooh, wow. 
gravity fluctuation. It is something that can happen. Really? Mm-hmm. So there was a scientist, a Petersburg scientist, a PhD associate professor of the Institute of Engineering called German Akino, Akino, Achenko, Achenko, Achenko. I can't read my own handwriting. Brilliant. And he has said that they died because of external pressure due to the gravity fluctuation that threw the hikers from the tent between 1 and 1.5 kilometres from the tent. That's it. There's more information, but it's really handsome. Okay. <laughs> okay, just hold on. It hold sounds super weird. On. It does sound super weird. Yeah, it sounds super weird because it is super weird. I like infrasound. Apparently, in this area, under certain circumstances, the force of gravity can fluctuate. And it's believed that significantly decreased external pressure threw the hikers out of the tent. All nine of them through the little door. Oh, I mean, I'm prepared for scientists to come at me about this and say, no, this is this is a really, really scientifically viable theory but i'm afraid at the moment it sounds rubbish okay so this chap that i mentioned achenko um his quote it formed a corridor of a kind in which earth's gravity decreased the hikers in the tent sleeping or just getting ready had time to undress and then unknown force began to lift them up off the floor and drag them into the direction of the corridor as the outside air pressure was significantly lower than inside the tent, people began to push outwards. The emerging hikers instantly pushed the tent from the inside, and since the pressure in their body still remained high, they received unexplained internal injuries, including broken bones. Only a and handful then, of them, though. But then it go. Hey, I can carry on quoting. I'm carrying on quoting. Some of the hikers died instantly. Others remained alive for some time, but the bodies, once outside the tent remained hovering in the air, as though lying on a horizontal surface. In this position, some force pulled them to the side. They flew one by one, or in groups from the tent, to be scattered on the slope. Let's ignore the footprints. To be scattered on the slope in the woods. It doesn't say, let's ignore the footprints. That was was a... yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When they were falling in the snow, from a height... And not being able to protect themselves, they received the injuries on their faces, which were disfigured. I'm not even carrying no, on. No, that's... I'm not carrying on quoting, I'm just not doing it. That's just total ass, isn't it? Apparently it is something that happens. I am going to jump the gun. And... Well, the, the gravity fluctuation thing is something that happens. I'm not overly sure that it means causes that it causes hover. nine people to fly out of a very small... Because it's cra- you've got to crawl out of the tent. No. It's not even... You can't even just be like... not. It's not even just like one person being knocked back. No, I'm calling it... We don't talk about this anymore. Okie dokie! Yeah. Uh, I'm going to jump the gun and not draw a theory out of the bag. I'm instead going to... Because I was just searching... When I was searching for photos of ball lightning, which is balls... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. and there's the balls sign. Indeed. Um, I found a photo that appears to show well it clearly shows a gentleman wearing <laughs> outdoor gear yes a gentleman um, who looks like he's coming out from, from a pee behind a tree yes he's he's been to the toilet he's been the, for a pee behind a tree you can literally see the trail of snow from where the shot is taken to where he's emerging from behind a tree yet 
the caption says, some sleuths believe it could be the figure of a yeti. Yeah. Um, and apparently it is being used as evidence of yeti. Yes. Tell me more. Let me just double check what the Yeti is also called. So the Yeti snowman, or the local indigenous people call it the Menk. Menk. Okay. Yeah. So there was, there's not very much about the Yeti, but there is a, a documentary called, um, oh, Russian Yeti, The Killer Lives. Wow. Okay. Guys, I watched this. <laughs> sacrifices you I make. sacrificed myself and my brain for this podcast <laughs> it was horrific yeah okay it was the most awful tabloid documentary document I don't even want to call it a documentary it hurts it hurts even calling it a documentary basically there it was one of those american sort of serialization like documentaries that tries to make it seem like something was happening with found footage but blatantly really wasn't anything happening <laughs> and they didn't really say anything for an entire hour wow okay it was amazing so i have i do have some quotes from it quotes from the russian yeti the killer lives when I found out one of the students was missing a tongue, immediately I knew this was not caused by an avalanche. I'm totally with her on that. Yeah. Okay. Something ripped out the tongue of this woman, Lebecky flatly declares near the beginning of the programme. Why do so many files related to the expedition remain classified? That's it. That, that's the quote. I don't know. I don't know either, because they don't explain it. They don't tell us why they remain classified either. Just say it was a yeti. They just say it was a yeti. They say that there's some kind of yeti roaming around the Urals, the famous Russian tongue-eating yeti. Yeah, who punches three out of nine people or whatever. Yeah, but only eats tongue. But only eats tongue. Because very picky. Very picky, picky yeti. Yeti. <laughs> very picky yeti. Um, yeah, why weren't they ripped to shreds? Did the Yeti come along and go, ooh, look, a tongue, what a delicacy. Well, I know I'm on a diet, but to hell of it. I'm just, full now. I'm just the one won't hurt. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. Smart theories don't make good television and sensationalist bullshit feeding off the deaths of a bunch of young people is really disgusting and I don't really want to talk more about it. No, that's fine. Yeti done. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Um, and aliens. Let's do aliens. Do you want me to do aliens? I want to do aliens. Okay. Well, we've had some really good ones, haven't we? We've had yeah, some so... absolute kind of... We've had some corkers, I yeah. think, as far as um, explanations go. Fun fact. Soviet armed forces did launch rockets from Baikon Baikonur yeah. base. Um, it's where they launched their... Uh, the, the, that's the cosmonaut base where they launched uh, Sputnik and Yuri Gagarin trained and was launched from. Oh, very interesting. Mm -hmm. God, that was really high-pitched. Oh, that was really interesting. And though the military said that they wouldn't have been seen flying in that area of the Urals, geologists say that they saw glowing pulsating orbs flying in the direction of Colat's cycle. I can't remember. Sickle? Sickle. I said, I've said it so many times and I still can't pronounce it. Okay. And that's, I, I wrote it that way. 
Oh right. Okay. So don't look at the paper. Don't look I at the wrote, paper. Don't look at the paper because you no, typed, it, I out typed it out wrong. Because I typed it out wrong. Okay. Um. Anyway, they saw pulsating orbs. <laughs> the orb symbol is very much the same as the, the ball, ball symbol. symbol. Right, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, on the evening of the 1st of February. And pines in the forest were apparently burned on the top, which also is what was said from the ball lightning, ball lightning theory. Balls. And Mansi hunters have drawn, drawn pictures of flying spheres. Okay. Okay. In no way do they look like clouds. I haven't seen these. I'm just guessing. I'm guessing that Bob Ross didn't, you know. Let's not introduce Bob Ross. This is already more complicated than it needs to be. (laughs) I'm going completely off on one. Nice non sequitur. Okay, so Lev Ivanov, the man in charge of the investigation, said this. Quote, There was no epicentre. This once again confirmed that heated beams of a strong but completely unknown, at least to us, energy were directing their firepower towards specific objects, in this case people, acting selectively. That is a quote from the man in charge of the investigation, Jim. Shit. I know. Yeah, it's not... It's Okay. Okay. Um, I am about to introduce some... Some quotes from that oh-so-factual TV series that I know that you love so much, Ancient Aliens. Oh, I hate it. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. No, so, but yeah. But... Okay. This is from UFO... Is, are they UFOologists? Ufologists. Is it ufologist? Well, a ufologist... God, that sounds far cooler than it should be. Ufologist Philip Imbrogno? Imbrogno or Imbrogno? Imbrogno? Depending on where the gentleman is from. Our Phil says... It's not a coincidence that... I have a quote voice. You do have a quote voice. Go on. I'm trying to kind of differentiate. Quote. It's not a coincidence that UFOs were reported by these hikers in the Ural Mountains. Were UFOs reported by the hikers in the Ural Mountains? It's not a coincidence. Right, fine. Just keep... I believe that many UFO sightings come in here from a parallel reality from portals. This area may be a hot portal. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, let's <clears throat> give this the, uh, the 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 sincerity it deserves. Let's let's hear him. Let's hear Phil out. Oh no, Phil's done. Okay. I'm going on to Bill now. <laughs> Phil has left us with hot portals. Phil, Phil's left us with hot portals, and we're going straight from Bill straight Phil's to Bill. Hot portals. <laughs> it's a little food wagon. <laughs> like hot buckets. Yeah. <laughs> And those light little beams come out like hotter than the sun, like in the middle That'd be of a great. Grass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you get tomato, hot tomato. Oh, I don't of, know whether I've, I don't know whether I fancy cooking lunch. Should we just nip down to <laughs> Phil's hot portals? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have Phil and we have Bill. So we have Bill here. Bill Burns, another ufologist, has suggested the orbs themselves could have been a life form. The orbs could have been extraterrestrial probes. It could have been inadvertent. The orbs, in probing the area where the humans were, created collateral damage. Maybe they didn't mean to harm human beings. Maybe it wasn't attack as much as the power of the orbs. The energy. It was so intense, the humans were prematurely aged, irradiated, and suffered all kinds of lethal biological symptoms. I... This is why I hate that show. <laughs> I have actually written down. I just couldn't do more brilliant. 
I just couldn't do more. I just couldn't. Uh, there was just yeah. no, I had no I had no more after reading that quote. It was like there's there's information out there. It's out there, Jim. Mm. X Files said it. The truth is out there. It's just not in the depths of... It's just not on ancient aliens. It's just aliens. not on ancient aliens. <laughs> Please don't sue us ancient aliens. Well, I mean... You can have a go. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to sue us for saying that what they put is bollocks. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I think we're probably quite safe, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, go on, cite, bring your evidence forward <laughs> to prove that you're right. Fine. We've been through quite a few of them. I think if we go through many more, it's just go. You know, it's yeah, yeah. It gets it starts to get a bit trudgy. And let's be honest, we've kind of we've hit the peaks. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've had some good science. We've had some highlights and um, some low very low lights. lights. <laughs> we some floating orb lights. Yeah. God, this is a good segue. <laughs> so just very quickly, if we go, um, I'm going to just say a few words about the avalanche or snow slab theory the um, official explanation yeah well i mean avalanche is always an option um where there's snow mm-hmm. but they were camped on a 15 degree slope which isn't really steep enough for an avalanche i mean if something got up speed it would go down that but it wouldn't they were, just they weren't that far from the top though yeah They're so what, it's, 10 10 kilometers from the top it's not likely and to the... be an avalanche field where an avalanche starts and also, wouldn't it an avalanche have completely have taken out the tents? Well, and also, on the yeah. photographs, you can see that they're... What are those poles called that you use to help you ski along? Poles. Thanks. Okay, well, the poles are still upright. Uh, well, no. So, if you look at the photos, the tent canvas is slightly flattened because of, the amount, because of snow. Mm-hmm. But it's still upright. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, the ski poles are still completely vertical. Therefore, if something... But this is what, like, the wind theory and all of these is really strange. That yeah, it, things didn't, some things didn't fall over. Yes. But poles are very thin. Yeah, exactly. And so... Wind could whistle around could a whistle curved around. pole. Whereas a giant amount of snow flumping on top would... Technical term. Flumping. Yeah. Yep. Meteorologist. Absolutely. Okay. Call the BBC. Yeah. Um, That would probably knock something down. You'd think so. Let's move on. And you would imagine that there would have been an awful lot of snow on the tent? Yes. But... Well, there would have been... For starters, there would have been evidence that an avalanche had gone through that piece of terrain. You can tell. Yes. And there wasn't. Um, also, let's be honest. Even if it was, even if it was an avalanche, they'd know that the best thing that they could probably do is not leave the tent in your socks and get hypothermia. Because mm-hmm. if you're in your tent, surely you could sort of dig. You could dig your way to a certain extent, and then you could sort of dig your way out. It would be like making a den. Because surely you wouldn't know how long it'd go on yeah. for. This is does it well. Um, for my money, there's a more fundamental problem with either avalanche or snow slab or any kind of things that require uh, movement, displacement of a large amount of sl- snow. Mm-hmm. You can see that they've happened and the evidence stays for a long time, certainly long enough for the Mansi and the search party who found the bodies to look at the terrain and be like, wow, this was a big avalanche. We're going to have to dig them out. Wouldn't it also have covered the footprints? Yeah. So these footprints, which were frozen into the snow in perfect condition, would have been wouldn't have been there L- because they would have literally. Yeah. However much snow would have just completely. In fact, would you have even found the tents? 
Probably not, depending on the route of the avalanche or like a, a full displacement of a snow slab. You would people who looked at it would just know that that's what happened and yeah. that's why there's so many theories because neither of these things clearly happened this is what the russian government said and closed the case file yeah and said so they're wrong it definitely happened and i'm just going to very quickly mention just as an honorable mention because i read this and just went yeah what shrooms shrooms yeah <laughs> Apparently in the area... Didn't expect it. Yeah. Um, there is flyagric, which is hallucinogenic and psychedelic when dried and super toxic. And so some people have said they... The shamans in the area dried the most dry these shrooms out by putting them in a little bag and tying them to a tree. Mm-hmm. So some people have said that these experienced hikers went and opened up this bag and went, ooh, dried shrooms. Let's get freaky. Let's get, <laughs> let's get our freak on. Okay, yeah. So they, so this theory is that they were tripping balls. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, maybe somebody had decided to spice it up and put it in yeah. the food. I mean, oh. In a really, really dangerous, harsh terrain, yeah, like you say, these experienced hikers decided to just go for it. Yeah. Another theory is that they stumbled across some anti-hunters who had gone into some kind of homicidal shroom-based rage <laughs> have the people who wrote these theories ever ha- taken shrooms homicidal I... shroom based rage <laughs> i mean that was that was a that was a lisa special there's a little bit of editorializing okay fine some say that local hunters high on the shrooms came upon the group and flew into a homicidal frenzy why oh no I mean, i'm just t- i'm just reporting the facts uh not facts i'm reporting You're reporting the bollocks i'm reporting the, the yeah the bunkum. but to finish this section off, I think, as a really cool fact that you could go away and, you know, the next time you go, you see somebody, go to the pub, you can just throw this into conversation as just something utterly random and they're going to look at you like you're really weird. Um, did you know that the Mansi actually got their reindeer to eat the shrooms? And then they collected their pee and drank it because the reindeer, the reindeers got high, but their stomachs filter out the toxins. But they don't filter out the. But they don't filter out the psychoactive component. Yeah. Like so when they pee, it's no longer toxic, but it still has the potent psychedelic effects. Sounds like good effort to me. I mean, well done. I mean, I don't know who first figured that out. <laughs> yep. Get your reindeer to eat the mushroom and then drink their pee. All the psychedelic effects, none of the toxicity. I just imagine these... It's like an <laughs> ad- got herds of reindeer just freaking out, staring <laughs> at their hooves. Just, like tri- just tripping. <laughs> Rudolph, why is your nose so red? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maybe that's, that's where... That's where it comes from. <laughs> Rudolph was tripping balls. <laughs> yeah. Prancer, dancer, donna, blitz and... <laughs> Cupid comets, all just absolutely freaked out. Absolutely off on one. I feel we are drawing towards a conclusion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good. I didn't expect us to be finishing on stoned reindeer. No, but that's kind of the fun of history, isn't it? Yeah, you don't know where you're going to go. You don't know what you're going to get unless you actually read books and get facts. Read books, get facts. Is that our first merch line? Merch line. We're going to have read books, get facts. And I'm not saying it was aliens. But it was aliens. It was aliens. Right.
Putting ancient aliens. So anyway, Jim. Yeah. What do you think? What's your What's your top I, idea at the moment? I think what do you think happened to the poor? Absolutely the poor surprising to no one who's listened to the rest of this podcast. Extreme weather event. I liked the okay. sound and the catabatic winds. I think and some kind of together as well. It could Possibly. be. It could even be together. But these extreme and rare yeah. uh, weather phenomena that feels to me like it covers off, if not all bases, then the vast majority of bases. Gives us a good understanding of why things happened and how things happened, and doesn't require us to engage with aliens, aliens. yetis, (laughs) um, the photographs, crazed indigenous hunters, (laughs) ball lightning. It's it's the Occam's razor. It's Jim's law of conspiracy theories. What requires the least intuitive leap? Or, as I said it last time, what's the least weird thing? What's the least weird thing? I am personally down with exactly the same. Unusual weather event mm-hmm. that took them by surprise and they were incredibly unlucky. They were experienced hikers who... I, mean, I, keep, I said, I think on the first or second episode, we need to obviously... It's easy to kind of laugh about aliens and talk about the various theories and sort of in some ways could be slightly mocking about some of the things that people have come up with mm-hmm. but ultimately we've got yes we have these some of these theories are really really stupid in my mind as well but at least people are trying to figure out what happened to these guys yeah it, it, this is at its core a super tragic event yeah drastic loss of life of a whole group of like bright young people yeah and I, that's that's why i yeah okay we can we can laugh at aliens but it's one of the reasons why i inherently gut like rail against conspiracy theorists because it's just such a lack of respect yeah which is it. one of the things that i wrote about the yeti program it was like it's making money out of something so uh, such a horrendous thing mm. that happened to real people happened yeah. to young people and it's making money out of this stupid hypothesis and yeah i don't know it it makes me feel quite it is and i think it's it's it's, and... it's a thing that's it's a point that's worth coming back to as we go through these some of these that the, the, there were real life events and there were real life consequences yeah i think it's a good thing to preserve their memory to think about it and hopefully we've done a tiny part we've contributed a tiny amount to that by trying to sift through some of the uh, some of the bunk that's being spoken about it and present something that might have a little bit more historical veracity yeah and actually tell you about these people's lives and about what and the about what happened rather than the kind of instantly what people know about the Seattle pass incident is the theories Mm -hmm. and what was found whereas at least we've we've kind of dug into a bit about who they were as well so i feel quite good about that i feel that if nothing else thank you very much for sticking with us through this and listening three to, parts yeah big one yeah it, it was such a big it's such a big thing to talk about it we couldn't have done it in any less it wouldn't have been right it wouldn't have been 
No, no, there's there's too many complexities within yeah. this case. It needed that time. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun. It it's been fun to do a three-parter. I've really enjoyed we, it. We'll, we'll probably go back to single episode ones for a while, but I think <laughs> yeah. it's it's given us the impetus to do the odd two or three-parter where there's something more complex. Something so it's more cool. complex to have a look at. And some of them, we've been talking about this, some of them Jim's even going to take on. So yeah, some scary. Of the, yeah, so some of the things that you are more already knowledgeable about all about yeah and i don't really know very much about you're going to teach me about things so that's going to be extra extra fun for me i'm looking at doing the roanoke colony oh exciting yep so i have started doing some research about that so Mm -hmm. we'll uh it shouldn't be a long one but it'll be certainly be interesting and we're heading into the 1500s so you know we're properly back into history properly back into history yeah. yeah so Thank you very much for joining us. Um, as always, you can find this podcast on all of your favourite listening platforms. So please give us a comment wherever you can. And that five-star review, it really helps with the um, the algorithm. Algorithm, yeah. yeah. Apparently, podcasts that get high-star ratings are found more easily, which is... Or just any ratings and comments, the algorithm picks them out, makes them, yeah, more visible. Yeah. So that's what we need. So if you have enjoyed it and then are enjoying what we're doing and would like us to carry on, then we would appreciate those comments and those stars. And uh, if you have anything that you would like us to research and to look at and to talk about in any of these podcasts, just drop that into a comment and we will put it on the list unless it is something really, really ludicrous. Yeah. I'm not historical. Yeah. So, like, ghosts. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, we oh, may well get into ghosts. I would love to do historical ghosts, but like, yeah, yeah okay. If you do leave a comment and or a, um, a star review, then we will be right, sort of reading out your name at the end of the next podcast to say thank you very much because we really do appreciate the time that you give to that and so until next time where we will see you in Roanoke take care and keep being fascinated by those history mysteries